This is the Edinburgh Reporter podcast, and this evening I'm with Professor Derek Reed. Derek, you're going to have to describe yourself for me. What would you like me to say? I, I'm a, a resident of Lanark Road. I'm, uh, I guess I am objecting to some of the, the undemocratic changes that the council has uh, made without any, uh, really any consultation to local people. And uh, I believe that these changes are both illegal and uh, unsafe and discriminatory. So I think that's why we're having the conversation, Phyllis. I'm sure that's yeah. why we're having the conversation. <laughs> so here we are, we're on the eve yeah. of the June Transport and Environment Committee. And it seems that the coalition, uh, the SNP Labour coalition, have put in an amendment to the council officers report suggesting that they take everything up on Lanark Road and we're standing on the side of Lanark Road where there are segregated cycleways. I'm not sure what the mileage is here on Lanark Road, I should probably know that. But, um, and there's there's some floating parking alongside, um, but it, it does protect, I've just cycled up it, it does protect cyclists. So. You well, must have I, a big let me, smile let me, on. Let me let me pick you up on the protect cyclist. Okay, well, can we come back no, to no, that no, in a wee no, second? Let, no, no, let me just pick you up on that because we're standing actually right opposite where, on Saturday, this Saturday past, there was a serious accident involving a cyclist and a preschool child. So, were you aware of this? No, I wasn't no, aware okay. of that. So, a, a cyclist coming down the hill here hit a preschool child who came out of a car in the floating parking, went over the preschool child. They were injured, they were ba badly grazed, cyclists were much more badly injured and actually had to be treated by residents of the flats here and went, went home, didn't complete his journey, went home um, because he was too badly injured to complete his journey. So I pick you up on the fact that it's an assumption that, and as a cyclist, mm -hmm. it's an assumption that a segregated lane is safe because the reason that accident happened was the, the cyclist was channeled between parked cars and the curb, had nowhere to go, had no sufficient buffer space, which if you look at the cycling by design in Edinburgh, these temporary lanes don't even adhere to that because the geography of the road does not allow it to. They don't give a big enough buffer space on a downhill section. It's meant to be two meters for the cycle lane. None of the cycle lanes downhill in Lanark Road are two meters. And this, this accident has could have been avoided and it's exactly what residents were saying and campaigners were saying would happen. Okay, so to take this yeah. as an example, I'll have to remember yeah. to take a photograph of it. To, to take this as an example, you're saying that the segregated cycleway between the pavement and where the car is, is just simply not wide enough. Had it been wider, it might have offered more protection, well, perhaps not complete. It, I think, I We're mean, never completely protected as cyclists. So look at it the other way around. I mean, I'm, I'm a cyclist, I've been a cyclist for many years. I've actually been put in a hospital by a pedestrian stepping out in front of me and I spent a week in hospital following that accident. So I know from first-hand experience that there's a danger as soon as you put a bike in close proximity to a curb and you don't give that bike the room to maneuver or take evasive action. By definition here, we've got an open space, which is a park. This is used every weekend for football training by uh, probably hundreds or hundreds of children. And so by definition, there are, there are fairly young children getting in and out of cars or cars parked with um, young siblings. Th this could have been avoided and it's exactly what we said would happen 
we put this to the designer of the scheme who said, uh, well, we've done an integrated impact assessment, we've done a risk assessment, um, and there's a moderate chance of, um, uh, I can't remember what the word was, interaction between cyclists and uh, other pedestrians or people in cars. That has happened, but the risk of that happening, it could have been so much worse on Saturday. That small child already is probably frightened about bikes going forward, but that small child can be very badly hurt. Absolutely, and and of course, so I, I fundamentally, everybody, everybody could have been I fundamentally pick you up on the fact that there is not evidence that says cycling in a, in a segregated lane is necessarily safer. It's going to depend on the road layout, sure. I mean, yes. you're not going to cycle on a motorway without some protection. But, I think you know, it's illegal this is, to this do is that. a balance. <laughs> this is a balance of risk. Yeah. And what's happening here is that risk is being perceived risk of it being dangerous to cycle without a segregated cycle lane is being transferred into actual risk, as we've seen from the accident that happened here on Saturday, as we've seen from the accident that happened here two weeks ago. Are you aware of that one? Nope, no, not. two weeks ago, um, a car collided with a van parked in the floating parking just down here. And the van was pushed by the impact through the segregated lane, through across the pavement, through the wall into uh, bordering the Union Canal. The wall has been patched up in the last two days. I can take you down to see the, where the hole in the wall was. So there's two accidents in two weeks. Okay. And also within the time that you know, Edinburgh has begun to reopen, traffic levels are going up. Well, I, the other part of the, if we were to take this, um, this whole scheme here as a whole, I think that the speed limit here has also been reduced. And that's, Is that correct? I, generally, that's very welcome. Yeah, by that's, people. that's been reduced to 30 and from 40. It's been reduced to 30 from 40. And I would say it's far, it's taken far too long since the cyclist accident in 2012. That's nine years ago it's taken the council to lower the speed limit here. Now, I, I would say there are two things that make a difference to cyclist safety in this road. One is the speed limit, and that's a really welcome change. That should be retained, and that should mm -hmm. not be thrown out with the rest of the bathwater. Yeah. I, think, I, think, I think is, they're planning on retaining The second is that the, the, the road surface here is, is really bad for cycling on. Now, I don't know how much of the road you've covered on your bike today, but, you know, in February, again, there was another accident up the hill Attended to, uh, a female cyclist came off on a pothole, was attended to by, I think it was one ambulance and about six police motorbikes. Okay, so that's a road surface issue. So, you know, yeah. of course, you know, the more you do to, to separate bikes from, from traffic, yeah, probably you will get some, some incremental benefits in safety, but safety is a trade-off and safety is often multifactorial. There are many things combined to give an accident. And you know well, some of not, some of the structural stuff here. You're not supposed to here, call them accidents, Derek. I'm going to well, pick you up now. You're no, supposed I, to call I, them collisions. Well, They're not I, supposed I, to be accidents. I, I, if you I, I don't. I don't know the, the right terminology for this, but um, I, in in the olden days they would be called accidents, and yeah. police would write accident we're on not, signs. We're not allowed to call uh, them accidents now. Okay. okay. Anyway. So let's go back a little bit to the beginning. Okay. So what happened was um, COVID-19 struck, and then the council decided they would bring in some of these measures under emergency powers and then they were going to bring this one in and suddenly there was a huge groundswell of opposition and you were one of the fairly vocal voices mm -hmm. on Twitter, on yeah. social media, various other places. 
And, and it seemed to me, and I know this road pretty well, it seemed to me that this was, and I'm, I don't want you to jump down my throat here, Derek, it was a four lane road and there was plenty of room for segregated cycleways. Now that's perhaps a so layman's so lay view. But actually the way this road was always used, and you yeah. said you know it, so you'll know this, it's, a two -lane is, road. it's actually a two lane road yeah. with parking. Yes. And that's the yes. fact, so if you, I don't know if you drive or, or cycle down here, maybe you do both, yeah. I, mean, I I do both. Um, if you were to rewind six months and drive down Lanark Road, you'd probably find that the traffic spends most of its time in the uh, offside lane. Yes, okay? because, because, because there's cars of parking. Park and so really what was done was the removal of parking for residents. And you'll also know that this area of, of town probably has a higher um, average age yes. of people here than elsewhere. Um, and what that means is these are people with mobility problems, not necessarily blue badge holders. They have they often, car. in the mm -hmm. case, is that they've moved here in order that they don't have the restrictions of city centre parking, which, you know, obviously city centre is congested, space is limited, parking restrictions are meaningful. Mm -hmm. But out here, when you have a, a freely moving road, mm -hmm. which has a safety record, I think you can check on... Uh, uh, on the web, actually, it's a very good safety record for, for cyclists with the one tragic exception, tragic exception of 2012. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, statistically, Lanark Road is a very safe road. However you cut it, those are the numbers. Okay, but if you were to look at the what the council say they were trying to do uh, was give people um, routes on which they could wheel or cycle um, from one place what to another. What do you another. mean by wheel? Wheel, I mean people in mobility scooters or so are, Sorry, so are you suggesting that someone in a mobility scooter would use the new cycle lane here? I don't know if they would or not. They would probably use the wide pavement that's here. So which had no changes that. made to it? I beg your pardon? Which had no changes made to it? The pavement. The pavement had no changes no, made to absolutely. it. No, absolutely. So the no, spaces for people measures have not... Let's be clear, spaces for people measures have not benefited people with disabilities. There are people in on, exactly on this the flat, particular on, road. On the, yeah, we're talking mm -hmm. Lanark Road, yeah. I think. So, so on this particular road, there are individuals who live in the flats here mm -hmm. who moved out of the city centre because they rely on a car because of their mobility problems. They moved here because they could get direct parking opposite their front door. These flats have a number of main doors. Yep. These are the flats which are where the Hope Scott garage used to be. As right, yeah, before my time, but yeah. Um, Not so, so long ago. So there are individuals who've moved here for that reason and have now had that access taken away from them. Not blue badge holders, but people who are elderly or have mobility issues. So what they have to do is come out of their front door, walk across a cycle lane and then get into their car However, they parked it, whether it's yeah. on the, yeah. the near side or the. But remember, a, down, a downhill side. cycle lane. Where, it is a downhill where cycle these, lane. These are individuals who might use a walking aid yes. or they might use a wheelchair. Yeah. They, they take time to get in and out of their cars. And so, you know, you need to put that together with the fact there are fast bikes coming down here. Okay. And the so, sight lines have been changed. So, okay, I hear what you're saying. The administration, the coalition administration, has now said they're going to take these up. Yep. So you have to be pleased, are you not? Of course I'm pleased, yeah. yeah. What, what, what would you like to see here instead? 
But remember, this is part of an integrated scheme of Longstone. This was this was all put in as one, approved as one scheme. Mm -hmm. So Longstone's another, it's a different street. It's also one I used to cycle on coming back from work from Harriet Watt. Um, that's actually become more dangerous to cycle on perversely because of the installation of a segregated lane on one side. Because what with, that does... Again, with floating parking. Um, yes. On one side, yes. at least. So, basi yeah. so basically, but the, the installation of a lane on one side and not the other has narrowed the road cross section. And that means that if you're a cyclist on the opposite side without the lane, traffic got, is actually closer to you. You've got yeah, less, less yeah. road space. Yeah, you have a lot okay. less road space. And so you have, I no longer use that route. So you have the perverse unintended consequence that the installation of a cycle lane, which when I cycle past it on the other side was unused, mm. is, has actually caused people not to cycle on that road. So again, you've got to think these things through in, in a holistic way. Longstone was always going to be challenging. It's a narrow road. It's a busy road. It's one that does need parking. It needs access for the businesses there. And again, this has been a, a, an example of lack of consultation with people who live and understand how the road works and just council knows best idea. Well, that's your view and you're entitled to that view. Are you asking me Except, my view? Yeah. Absolutely. That's Except, what the interview is about. Except that the, uh, yeah. when, when all the measures were introduced uh -huh. in March 2020 or April 2020 yeah. by the Transport Minister, there was to be no need for consultation. It was meant to be as a, as a response to the pandemic, as a response to public mm -hmm. health measures. So mm -hmm. where do we go from here then? with all of these measures um, with this one here is going to be taken up and the next time I think about perhaps cycling up Lanark Road I'm going to be am I going to be less safe or well, I don't safer? know how many times did you cycle Lanark Road before I've cycled a, a lot of times uh, I how, how regularly tell you. not regularly okay. no I don't go anywhere right. every so, day of the yeah. week so I'm it's maybe a bit hard to judge on your personal choices yeah. there if you're not yeah. a regular user I mean, I, I've looked at the difference because we live in this, this road. I've not seen a difference in numbers of cyclists here. And, you know, you can, I'm not measuring them, right? Because this that, is, that'd this be is what they call anecdotal that, that, evidence. Well, it is, but, you know, it's the best we have. And it's pretty good for some, some other purposes, at least. I don't think the council had any evidence and actually has not been measuring the effect. So, you know, I, I put it to you that the council if, if they wanted to really understand that this was moving people off the, the water of Leith and Union Canal yeah. path and actually yeah. making a difference, they have to measure it. I asked the council officers in a, in a meeting with Joanna Cherry back in, oh, I think it was maybe January or, or, uh, of this year. I asked the council officers, what are your measures of success for installing um, a segregated lane here? Because, you know, let's, let's not pretend this was about COVID. This has been in the city mobility plan for some time in draft form. There is a long held ambition to have an arterial road, uh, connections along uh, the arterial routes here that are segregated to cycle lanes. And you know, if that's, the, if that's the, the ambition, fine, just say it, but don't pretend it's to do with COVID. And so, you know, you know I, I put it to, to the council officers, tell me your measures of success. And they, they couldn't, I had to squeeze out of them that a point one percent increase in number of cyclists would not be success okay so it's got you know you've got to measure things Absolutely. to know success, I, I right? wholeheartedly agree with yeah. you and you know i thought that you were uh, somebody who was uh, a little pessimistic when you said to me 
in your email that it was going to rain tonight. But Derek, you've just been proved right. It's just started to rain. So we're going to move under this tree here so that uh, we don't absolutely soak. So you're not a pessimistic character by nature, I don't think. But I do think uh, that you know, you're perfectly entitled to your point of view. And I'm presuming also that you responded to the consultation. I did respond to the consultation here, yeah. yeah. And were you one of the people that they picked for the market research, one of the 593 people? I don't think I need to reveal that to you. <laughs> uh, I think that would be uh, not, I think that would make it a bit less random, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but I'm one of the 16,000, uh, or no, 17,600 people. Yeah. That responded. Yes. I'm also one of the 16,800 that uh, on the wrote to the petition. Yeah. Did you start the petition? Um, Keep Ed and Removing started the petition, so I chair Keep Ed and Removing. Yeah. Um, not because I wanted another hobby. Let me be clear. But you know, because this is this is a really important issue. It's one that affects and impacts many people from an equality and access point of view, from a safety point of view, and you know. It, these changes are, are not doing anyone favours, even including cyclists. You're getting wet so, there. Yes, I'm getting a little wet here, but I don't really care anymore. So keep Edinburgh Sun's moving. Still shining, even keep Edinburgh it's moving is another one of these. Um, it's a campaign group, we'll call it. Um, yeah. So, so we, we've, we've, we've formalised basically in keep Edinburgh moving. We, we've we've formalised, um, I, I guess, a, a number of the local groups that have existed across Edinburgh. So um, you actually include things like Get Edinburgh Moving and... Yes, Edith, yes. So, so I can't remember the well, other we're, names. Well, we're not really including the organisations. We're, we're representing individuals. And, you know, I think we have to be, be clear that we, we can't clearly, you know, in, in any way carry out a referendum of, of uh, communities to, to properly ascertain their, their views. But, you know, for what it's worth, we have a number of individuals who uh, do have a sense of what their community issues are because of people that they know and they've spoken to and they run Facebook groups and so on. You know, in this part of Edinburgh, we have 800 people on the Southwest Edinburgh in Motion Facebook group. You know, this is an area with only about 4,500, 5,000 people. So it is meaningful when you have those kind of numbers on a Facebook group who are all aligned in objection to something that the council has done. Okay, I, so I can't you're think all, of any other examples where that might exist. You're all against something. You're all against the measures which have become known as spaces for people. But what are you for? We are not against all of the measures. And actually, as you pointed out, the speed limit reduction is one is one good example. Have you got any others? Yeah, so we, we have conducted a survey locally here in the last month. We actually proactively wanted to understand exactly the question you've asked. What are the measures that people would like to, to see retained? Now, we're, we're standing opposite some new, well, I think maybe new double yellow lines going around uh, a junction there. That was one of the measures that people would like to see retained. And, you know, logically enough, it, it makes sense. You don't want people parking, parking on, on corner. corners. Yep. But let me take you through some other things that have, are not part of Spaces for People measures here, but would actually make a big difference to the way people use the road and not just able-bodied people, but also people with disabilities. So if you cycle up Lanark Road, I don't know if you, if you will or not, which way you go home, but if you cycle up Lanark Road, you'll find there are from this point to Gillespie Junction, there are five, maybe four from here, four traffic islands, traffic refuges. Yes. I would suggest that you count the number with a, a dropped curb. 
Okay, so if you're a wheelchair so user, probably not many. Um, you would be right in that <laughs> assumption, Phyllis. There are not many, and if you if you count them, you'll find there there, are, there might be one with a dropped curb. Now imagine you're a wheelchair user, and you're standing beside a bus stop here that has a an icon of a wheelchair user that says "Spaces for People are Great," and and you're thinking. I can't actually get across that road. Or there's a dropped curb that takes me to the middle, but it's not a dropped curb on the other side that lets me leave the road. You know, think, think logically about actually the things that would make an improvement to local people here on this road. Maintain this. the road surface, give us, give us dropped curbs for people who need them for wheeling, give us um, a crossing. I mean, I don't know if you saw me waiting to cross the road further down there. I probably waited about 30 seconds to cross the road. I mean, okay, it's no big deal, but um, it's, there's a safety element here as well for people who need longer to cross the road. And this is unusual in having a street that's this long and this busy without a light assisted crossing. So that'd be another thing. Maintain the path. If this is about social distancing, giving people space, spaces for people, clue in the name, of course. By, by, by we we have had in this area on the Water of Leith, we've had three, perhaps four different routes that have been closed because they've been allowed to fall into disrepair. Bridges on the water of these paths that would otherwise have rooted people in, in lockdown in particular on different ways. Those people have been basically forced along with things like the Scottish Water Sewerage Works. People have been forced basically into a corridor along a single path. Now, I don't ever believe that this scheme on Lanark Road was really about social distancing, okay, and taking people off the spaces, taking people off the water of these paths. And Union Canal, because there's not even any signs on the Union Canal or we've passed to say cyclists, we have a new cycle lane. But let's imagine that it was all about COVID and. and but then I, you would have complained about them spending money on the signs. But, mm, I don't, I'm not <laughs> sure I would, but you know, I think it just it goes to show that it wasn't about COVID, right? And um, but actually, one of the things that would make a difference would have been to have opened up more space where there were no cars or bikes, or well, no, no cars at least, but. Um, it was a space for bikes, it was a space for people to, where, to walk. Where do you mean that? Water release. So the water over there in the water release, uh -huh. there's basically a, um, a path that connects to Collington, goes mm -hmm. through the new Collington Tunnel, yep. which is a, is a great landmark here. But you know, that attracted lots and lots of people during uh, lockdown. Yep. That road, <laughs> that path was, I don't know, 10 times busier than, than the Union Canal path, um, which actually is very quiet. You know, I cycle that routinely to, to work. It's, there is not a lot of congestion, in fact, on the Union Canal path compared to the water release uh, Perhaps path Perhaps up at this, this end mm -hmm. of the Union Canal path, but certainly mm -hmm. um, from... Well, this is the end that the over, cycle lanes have been installed. Uh, from over, from over <laughs> the The cycle other, lanes go from here that way, Phyllis. Yes, I know, but <laughs> if you were heading, if you were using it as a commuting uh, path back to the city But the cycle lanes go from here up the hill, Phyllis. Yes, they do. Yeah, but, which is the quiet bit you just said. No, I wasn't going to say it's the quiet, but I was, what I was going to say was that in my experience, the canal path, which I've used yeah. from Wester Hills back yeah. to the city centre often, is usually pretty busy. It, I, it's no, I agree. Busier, it is, it is busier. It's certainly busier, busier near the city centre oh, absolutely. Yeah. than it, it is, is busier further out. Near the city centre. Um, but I hear what you're mm -hmm. saying. So. The Water of Leith path, though, is that within the council ownership or the council's purview? Is that, or is it perhaps um, I, someone else who needs I, to do that? I, I don't know, but you know mm. the council is local authority, and uh, you know they, yep. they, at they the very least, they should be identifying yeah. who is responsible. 
Mm. And uh, you know, I, I believe that there has been now a commitment to um, to do some maintenance on the bridges. I don't know where the money's come from, but you know, even if it's not the council that provide the money, the council probably have access to the kind of grant funding that could provide the money. Because after all, this road we were standing beside, the cycle lanes didn't come from the council in terms of funding. Well, they, 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 came came, from, they came from the Scottish government. They came from the Scottish government, you're right. They yeah. didn't even come from the Spaces for People scheme. They, no. they came from no. the central budget. So to wind yeah. up, Mm -hmm. Derek, moving forward from here, yeah. given that at any time um, these measures here on Lanark Road will be removed, mm -hmm. and I think it will have to be perhaps once the public health message has changed a little, but that's my Well, that would be consistent with the claim that they were installed for COVID, yeah. Um, so once these measures are removed and moving forward, mm -hmm. your group, Keep Edinburgh Moving, is going to campaign in favour of all the things you've just mentioned, like the water um, park, like... It's certainly not future tense, we, we are already, and if, mm -hmm. you know, if you have a look at our deputation to the Transport and Environment Committee um, Thursday, tomorrow, you'll actually read in it um, some details that we've provided as a positive response, because, yeah, you, you're exactly right, it's all very well sitting on sidelines saying we don't want this, we don't want that. Yeah. And that's natural. That too. will, yeah. You, you need to be. You need to understand how this began, though. We it began with basically uh, one day's, one working day's notice to residents in terms of leaflets going through their door before the work began. So mm. let's understand that you know when you put people in that position, they will react. Firstly, in terms of opposition, it's not that people sit with a whole list of things that they want to get done. If you if you put them into a position that they are on the defensive, the first thing they do is defend. Now, going forward, yes, there are many things that I've explained to you that we need to see happen on this road that would improve it. The reduction in the speed limit is clearly the biggest, simplest win that there could have been. I, I would put it to the council, why has it taken nine years since the death of a cyclist on this road for that simple measure to be enacted? Well, certainly uh, since Andrew McNichol died here, there's certainly been plenty of time. But if we are looking forward, yeah which I hope you are, um, if you got some of the dropped curbs that you're looking yeah. for, if mm -hmm. they managed to presumably put forward the process, the legal process to change this to mm -hmm. 30 miles an hour on a per permanent basis, and if somebody somewhere then looks at sorting out the water of Leith Path, that might go some way to putting a bigger smile on your I face. I think we'd be delighted. and you know. This is not rocket science, Phyllis. These are the kind of things that had the council, had the council spoken with local people, and to be honest, had Longstone Community Council that is responsible for at least up this part of the town, had they um, fulfilled their their constitutional duty to ascertain the desires of local community, which you know they have not attempted to, then they would actually be able to report back and represent what otherwise is left to groups like SWEM to do. You know, so you're saying that the Longstone Community Council are also at fault? As well I'm, as I'm the saying council. that they, maybe from a resource point of view, for example, mm -hmm. um, they have been unable to engage with the community. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think we don't really give our local community councils very much funding to do this. They get about a thousand pounds a year. Mm -hmm. But, you, you know, there's not been efforts by our Longstone Community Council, maybe for that reason of lack of resource, to engage with 
the locality. Now, if you look at what groups like SWEM have done, we have um, paid out of our own pockets to do surveys. Uh, one was a professionally conducted, independently conducted and commissioned uh, survey by, by SWEM. Um, now, these things are not, are not cheap to do. And, you know, yet we've had to do that as residents You've chosen uh, we're, we're, to do that as residents because we, you were we, able to afford it. We, we've chosen to that. Well, I would look, put I, to you. Well, I would put to you that you know evidence is important in making decisions and policy decisions, and you know from my point of view as a scientist, evidence and data are extremely important and they should permeate all the way through policy making process. So, I believe that we had in order to make a stand against council, we have to know that we we are actually representing the community. Because you know what? Otherwise, what you get are individuals on a hobby horse, and so I think what Longstone Community Council needs to do is basically do what groups like Gem and Swem have done. That is to commission independently conducted research to satisfy themselves that the stance that they are taking is actually representative of the community that they are meant to represent. And did your survey convince you of that? Our survey. We conducted a survey in, in December 2020 that was professionally conducted, independently conducted. So we, we had no influence on the, the way it was analysed. Uh, it had over a thousand people respond from um, the, this community and also we extended it uh, to anyone who could find the survey link. So that included we advertised through community councils, not just here but in, in Curry and Juniper Green. Um, and, and Balerno, we advertised the link on next door. We didn't stop anyone from completing the survey. And this was all done at an arm's length. It was done by an independent research company. So we got over a thousand responses. And um, I mean, the, the data are very interesting. It, just, just to put this in context, that's almost twice the number that responded to the market research survey that the council is planning to make its decisions on, 583. But our survey for, for this area, it showed that there was 80% opposition to the cycle lanes going in. And even amongst cyclists, of, of whom we had 273 cyclists complete our, our uh, survey, 75% of them did not want the cycle lanes. So you've got to look at those data very carefully and make sure that when you say cyclists think that segregated lanes make life safer for them, that you actually look at the evidence, okay? And uh, at the moment, the evidence is not there when you look at the balance of risks and the new safety um, issues you introduce by segregated lanes, the, the evidence is not there that they make life safer for, for cyclists or indeed for other road, road users. Well, I think that takes us back to the very beginning when I started off by suggesting to you that these cycle lanes, these segregated cycle lanes, might make life safer and I do think we've come full circle Derek and it's been a pleasure talking to you this evening. It's thank been interesting much. to see you. Phyllis. Thank you yeah. very much for your time and I'll look forward to uh, reading your deputation to the Transport and Environment Committee mm. and also the work that you do in the future. I look forward to hearing your edits. Thank you so much for listening to the Edinburgh Report. Listen out for more episodes coming soon and make sure you don't miss any by hitting the subscribe button now. This is one of the platforms where we can help advertise your business to our listeners 
If you'd like to know more about that, then email editor at theedinburghreporter.co.uk. And remember, you can subscribe to have our monthly newspaper delivered to you direct. Sign up today on our website, www.theedinburghreporter.co.uk. Thank you.